This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Yes, it is the Subway to Shade podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. You can follow the show on Twitter at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. You can also find Subway to Shea on YouTube. This podcast is available on the HSP Network. Catch me alongside podcasts like The Bullpen with DA, Third Floor Lounge, which covers the NFL and NBA, Sus Talk, and The Flagship Show, the High Spot Podcast, which covers all things professional wrestling. Just search High Spot Podcast on YouTube or youtube.com slash highspotpodcast and make sure to subscribe today. Now I mentioned Apple Podcasts and this is where I need your input, Met fans. Please take a few minutes to write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to know both. I want to make this show better each and every week for you Met fans out there. So go on Apple Podcasts, rate the show one to five stars. Hopefully you're giving me five stars and leave me some comments, leave me a review. It will only help this show grow each and every week. And if you give me five stars, it helps me climb the rankings in baseball, Mets, and sports podcasts. So let's get Subway to Shea out there to more and more baseball fans and Met fans by rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. Now, before we get started with this week's episode, I wanted to thank Jeremy Silverman again for being my guest last week. Jeremy is the co-host of the America's Pastime Podcast. Make sure to check it out on all podcast platforms. Jeremy, I can't thank you enough, and I can't wait to bring you back on Subway to Shea again. Now, on with this week's episode, episode 31, the Mike Piazza episode. And there's no other place to start this week than with the Mets offense, the 2021 New York Mets offense. And quite simply, where's the offense at? Please wake up, everyone. I've never in my lifetime watching this baseball team has seen an offense that as a collective were underperforming. You know, there has always been one or two batters that at least carried the team. You know, in the early 2000s, you would have Piazza. In the later 2000s, David Wright. Cespedes in the last couple years when he was healthy. But not in one season where everyone has kind of collectively had a down season. And it's been a struggle. If we look at the stats this year, if we look at the Mets offense on Baseball Reference, you could check this out, baseballreference.com. You got James McCann batting 248, seven home runs, 28, which is kind of where 
we thought he would be. He is not going to be that Piazza type. I know he signed for a lot of money. Um, He was never going to be Real Muto, who's a great hitter just in general. But this is kind of where I thought he would be, and this is way better from the first two months of what we got him. He's kind of given a little more production at the plate in the last month. Pete Alonso, who's probably been the best Mets hitter, batting 260 with 13 home runs and 40 RBIs. Now, I know that we expect more and more power from Pete, but he has been probably the Mets' best hitter up to this point. But he is still, I want to say, third in the team with 56 strikeouts. He's been struggling in some clutch situations, but out of all the Mets players, he's been the best in the lineup so far. Jeff McNeil, who no one would have ever thought that he was going to be batting 226 with only three home runs and 10 RBIs. He has struggled this entire season. From before he got hurt to coming back off the IL, he has not been able to jumpstart his season. I don't know what is the issue with McNeil. A lot of people say that he's leaning too much on his back leg when he's hitting, but he has struggled since coming back. I know he had that one good game when he came off the IL against the Braves, but he's kind of reverted back to the early season Jeff McNeil. Francisco Lindor has kind of been a disappointment for a guy that's making over $300 million. Batting 213 doesn't cut it. And I'm not totally getting on Francisco Lindor here. That's not what this is about. I know there's a lot of Met fans who have already committed to saying this um, trade and signing is a bust. I need to give this a few years before I do that. We've got 10 more years with Francisco Lindor. So I do think he's been a disappointment, but I don't think he's been a bust. He's delivered on leadership. He's delivered most of the time defensively, but the offense has not fully come together yet. And still, he is second on the team with nine home runs and he's got 26 RBIs second in the team in stolen bases with seven so it's not all terrible he's just not hitting at the rate we'd want him to hit he works out his walks he makes some interesting decisions like bunting in the first inning now I know we need a run we all know the Mets need a run they know they need to score runs but in the first inning bunting or sacrifice it's too early for that, man. I'd rather have you try hit because most of the time they don't score. The next two batters quickly get out. So I think that Lindor, and I said this before on Twitter, I thought that Lindor would step up in the second half, and he's really going to need to. Jonathan VR, who's on the 10-day IL, batting 246, he's also been one of the Mets' best hitters, and he's coming off of the bench. He was part of the bench mob. So him hitting six home runs, 15 RBIs, eight stolen bases, playing a very, very, very decent third base while J.D. Davis has been out. But now he's on the IL as well. Dominic Smith batting 249. He's got eight home runs, 31 RBIs. Compared to a lot of the other guys on this roster and on the lineup, He's been doing a lot better than them, but not where we want him to be. He really needs to step it up. Kevin Pillar is batting 218, eight home runs, 20 RBIs. You know, the VR Pillar combination has really done well. He's a great emotional leader for this team. He should be coming off the bench, really, because, 
you know, look, look now. He's been playing every day, and now he's starting to get exposed. But he has played great in defense, and he's been getting some clutch hits. So he might stay in the lineup a little while longer. Michael Conforto, another guy, really disappointing, batting 216, two home runs, and 15 RBIs. I got on him last night. Uh, I know he's got an RBI single in the first inning, but it's been a struggle all year for him. And I get on him more than I would get on Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil because he's under the tutelage of the worst agent. I would I mean obviously he's the best agent for the players, but in my eyes he's one of the most annoying and worst agents around, Scott Boris. And asking for 3 100 mil as well for him, or 200 mil for him. Every game that Conforto has played leading up to today has only lowered his value because he hasn't been hitting. I don't know if this is in his head or what. The injury also didn't help, but I don't see Michael Conforto getting that big contract that he wants. And I would hope he doesn't get it from the Mets. And this is a guy who I wanted them to sign over Francisco Lindor. I wanted them to wait on Francisco Lindor and sign Conforto. Why? Because the plethora of outfielders is not out there in the offseason, but shortstops there were. So if they would have just signed Conforto first and then waited to possibly sign Lindor at the end of the season or sign another shortstop, I think that would have been the better strategy. But it looks like I'm wrong on that, on Conforto, because he hasn't been playing well. Now, the rest of the Mets here, you got Jose Peraza batting 205. He's had a couple of clutch hits. Five home runs, 15 RBIs. Billy McKinney, 226. Tomas Nito, 238. Luis Guillorme, 247. Brandon Nimmo, who, if still in the lineup, you either love Brandon Nimmo or hate him. And I'm on the team love Brandon Nimmo. Batting 318. He had a one home run, eight RBIs, but he was your prototypical leadoff hitter. He would get on base and work the count. And that's what we need back in this lineup. And what I've read from the Mets is that he will be activated and in the starting lineup against the Yankees to start that series. So it's going to be great having him back. They also need J.D. Davis back. J.D. Davis was batting 390 in 14 games, two home runs, seven RBIs. Need him back. They're also going to have to think about what they're going to do with Alberto Moore Jr. because he's batting 075. No home runs, no RBIs, nothing, nada, zilch. He might go down when it's time. Because you can't get rid of Billy McKinney. Thankfully, Mason Williams is back in the organization if you need another outfielder. Albert Armour Jr. is batting like Cameron Maben right now. You know, they have Patrick Mazika who is batting 273. He got sent down because Tomas Nito is making his return. Even Janishui Fargus, when he was up, he was batting 286. The Mets offense has not hit on all cylinders at all. They'll have a game or two where they score a lot of runs, but then they fall apart. They haven't been consistent. Let's look here at the win-loss splits for the New York Mets this season. And as we take a look here on Baseball Reference, this is a good page to go to and check out a lot of Mets stats and stuff like that. Um, Looking at their splits so far, they have a really good home winning percentage, 24 and 11 at home, 17 and 25 on the road. They'll continue to be on the road going against the Yankees, Um, but it has been a huge struggle. You're looking at the first half of this season right now to this point, 275 runs scored, 
Runs scored against 278. They got under again after the last couple of games, and especially that shellacking that they took from the Atlanta Braves where they lost 20-2. to And um, it was really, really, really bad. They are 17-14 and in one-run games in which they have 98 runs scored and a 95 runs against. Good enough for a 548 winning percentage. In blowout games like that 20 to 2 game, they're 5 and 8, and it's a big difference in the runs scored and run against. And about 67 runs scored, 93 runs against. It's not good, guys. It's not good at all. Let's look at this last month, June, where the Mets finished 15 and 15. So they had a 500 June, and that's with Obviously, the bench mob, the replaced Mets, and these guys starting to come back, but losing pitchers, it was a bit tough. The last two weeks have been a real struggle for this offense. And if we go all the way back, the Chicago Cubs game, where this offense really started to struggle, the final game of the Chicago Cubs series, they lost 2-0. Then, after that, another game against Washington where they didn't score. They scored the five runs in that Lindor game where he had a really good, probably his best hitting game of the series, and they scored five runs. But then look at the rest. Here we go. Two. Two in in losses. They won, scoring four runs. Then they lose to Atlanta, two games in a row, scoring no runs. They beat Atlanta, scoring seven. They also beat Philly, two to one. Then they lose, scoring only one run. They score four, two, four, four, two. Lost the game last game in the Atlanta series, only scoring three runs. But the Mets have just had the toughest time scoring runs here. So bad that they were shut out five times in June. Seven all season long. It's been a struggle. It's been an absolute struggle. And you go to look at the runs scored, the MLB team batting stats. I'm on ESPN right now. MLB Team batting stance for 2021. Run scored, 275 for the Mets. Last place, okay? Last place. Last place in hits, 549. Home runs, here we go. 76, they're 27th in the league in home runs. This is the entire major leagues, not just the National League. RBIs, 263 RBIs, good for a tie in last place with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I don't know what the problem is with this offense. And let's look at their average. I don't think they're fully in last place. They're 26th, batting 227. It's terrible. And they've just been struggling and struggling. It's been rough to go through this all season long with the Mets. And you just hope, you hope that they can come out of this. But now thinking about it, did we overrate some of these players? Is it because of the change in ball this year? Or pitchers using sticky stuff? What is it? One thing is for sure is it is not the hitting coach. They already fired Chili Davis. And at the moment, Hugh Quattlebaum is having the same results. What is the approach? Is there even an approach? Or is it just go up there and swing for the fences? Also, a huge request. And I put this out on Twitter yesterday. And tell me if you agree with me. Or tell me if I'm wrong, Met fans. The Donnie Stevenson story, that whole thing has to go away. I don't want to hear them talk about him anymore. I don't want to see videos. I know I brought it up on one of my last episodes, but enough. 
already. You only see me talk about him once or twice, but I don't want to see any more Donnie Stevenson stuff. Don't want to see them wearing his shirts. Don't promote his shirts because this team hasn't done anything noteworthy offensively to have an imaginary hitting guru, coach, mentor, whatever you want to call him. We got to cut the cord on that. Got to let Donnie Stevenson go. I don't want to hear about him anymore because that whole saga has not helped this offense whatsoever. Also, I don't like the messaging that's coming across this team, especially during the post-press conferences, the post-game press conferences. And I'm going to bring a couple of these tweets up. I took some uh, snapshots of these tweets that I thought were very telling. Luis Rojas said, we're not hitting for power. You look up at the board and you look at both teams' OPS. There was a lot of difference. And that was from a game a couple of nights ago. But obviously, Luis Rojas, they're not hitting for power. They're not hitting at all. And maybe hitting for power is not what the whole lineup should be thinking about doing right now. Remember, I said at the beginning of the season, you have to play small ball, hits, bunts, try to get in the gap, try to push it past the shift. Can't always think about hitting a home run. Luis Rojas wasn't the only one. And I'm a huge defender of Dom Smith. I love Dom Smith. I think he's a great player. I think he's great for this team. But he made a comment the other night that got under my skin a little bit. He goes, for the offense not performing up to par, I think we're in a good spot. Which is true. They're still in first place. I think after the All-Star break, when the games really matter, we'll be fine. Now that's the sentence that really threw me off. After the All-Star break, when the games really matter, all of these games matter. And you could tell that to the 2019 New York Mets, who blew some big games. Who remembers the Mets blowing that game against the Nationals? That was still somewhere in the season where they could have used that victory to gain another game to make a playoff spot. Every game matters. Every single game. There's no excuses. And what? After the All-Star break now is what you're telling me. After the All-Star break, Everyone's going to wake up now. That's when everyone's going to wake up after the All-Star break. Dom, I think you are a great player, but that quote right there, my friend, that one I hope you you think about long and hard because that wasn't the right move there. Every game matters from opening day to the last game of the season, game 162. Every game matters. And I hope he's right. I hope the offense does wake up, not just at the after the All-Star break, but now because we need them. So what changes need to be made here? Couple of thoughts. Gotta get Jeff McNeil out of the leadoff spot and move Michael Conforto to either five or six. Jeff McNeil has not been a leadoff hitter. With Brandon Nimmo coming back, he will probably be moved down in the order. Where? I don't know. But Michael Conforto also needs to be moved out of the three hole. I don't know where it was that I read, but there were stats of how Michael Conforto fared in different parts of the lineup. I think it was 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and I think 7. And his worst batting average was batting third. Now, if these analytics team is following all the stats, why aren't they paying close attention to that? Conforto has hit best when he's hitting 5 or 6, and I think we'd see him do a lot better if they moved him down the order. Now, like I mentioned before, lucky for the Mets, Brandon Nimmo's returning, Tomas Nito is returning, that can get James McCann some rest. What else can the Mets do? Could they make a trade? Do you trade right now? Do you wait? I know that 
the name of Josh Donaldson, the third baseman from the Minnesota Twins, was brought up by Andy Martino. Could he be a legitimate possibility? I think it's possible. And maybe they can throw in Jose Barrios, too, because we need another starting pitcher. But are you willing to mortgage the future for these type of players? Or do you want to wait this out a little bit? Is it up to this team to turn it around? Do you give up Mauricio? Do you give up a Beatty or an Alvarez to try to win this year? I'm going to think not. And I don't think I'm going to make a trade at this moment because one, teams know we're desperate now. So they are going to ask for a lot more. On top of that, no team is really out of the playoffs outside of Arizona, I think. I don't know too much about the other leagues, but Arizona for definitely for sure is out of playoff contention. But a lot of these teams don't really sell right away. It's still kind of early. Maybe later on in this month, we'll find a little bit more. But you're not going to pry away Chris Bryant from the Cubs if they're in playoff contention. So it looks like the Mets are going to have to do with what they have at the moment. I know that Steve Cohen has been tweeting out and he raised the question. And that was, let's play GM. Here's Steve Cohen on Twitter. Let's play GM. What would you do to improve the team? And are you willing to mortgage the young talent in our farm system to do it? I don't know yet. I don't know if this Mets team is ready yet. Plus, if you're going to trade some of the players on this roster, let's say a McNeil or Dom Smith or J.D. Davis, their price is low. J.D. Davis has been hurt. McNeil has been hitting. Dom Smith has been kind of average right now. So are trades going to be made? We'll just have to wait and see. We'll just have to wait and see. Well, the Subway Series is coming up, and I thought, why not talk about some of the best Mets memories in Subway Series history? And let's start off, I think I put them in order of year, so why not start off at the beginning? Dave Malicki's complete game shutout in the first Subway Series interleague game. That was a year before I really got into baseball, but Dave Malicki, who really never kind of came of anything following that or before that that was kind of his calling card that game against the Yankees and it had to have been a great time for Met fans watching that as well then we go to 1999 which was a big game for me probably one of my all-time favorite just Met memories ever is the Fox game that Saturday game on Fox the Mets and Yankees each going at it scoring runs I think Posada hit two home runs and Paul O'Neill, I think, hit a home run. It was back and forth, back and forth. Piazza hit that big three-run bomb out of the stadium. And then we come to the bottom of the ninth, and Mariano Rivera, who is untouchable, gives up the two-run game-winning hit to Matt Franco. And that game is one of my fondest memories watching the Subway Series. You go to 2004, where the Mets swept the Yankees for the first time In Subway Series history, they did it at Shea Stadium, sweeping all three games. 2006, the David Wright game-winning hit off of Mariano Rivera in the ninth. That was a fun game in 2006 because both teams were very good that year. And it's nice to see a Subway Series where both teams are in contention, playing for possible playoff spots. It was a really good series. We go to 2013. 
Again, Mets rally off of Mariano Rivera in his final appearance against them. Hits by Murphy, Wright, and Duda, who, when the team was down, I think won nothing at the time. And the Mets came back to win that game in the bottom of the ninth. Three straight hits off of Mariano Rivera. And it was a trend off of Mariano Rivera. The Mets hit Mariano Rivera well. He was kind of human against the Mets. He did get his saves, but he was kind of human for some of those games. And then I'm going to go all the way to 2020. Obviously, a few days after Tom Seaver passing away, they honored him. Alonzo hits that two-run home run walk-off to win it in the rain. I think J.D. Davis had the game-tying home run off of uh, Aroldis Chapman, which would have been a game-winning home run if Billy Hamilton didn't get caught stealing third. The biggest part about that was I really liked how they honored Seaver putting the dirt on their right shin, obviously paying homage to how Tom Seaver pitched and would always have his leg dirty after pitching. And a personal favorite memory for me was a game I had attended in 2006. It was two nights after the David Wright game winner off of Mo, and it was the Sunday night ESPN game. Carlos Delgado hits a three-run home run. The Mets were down 2-0. Delgado comes up and hits a three-run home run, and then David Wright comes up and hits a moonshot out of the stadium, kind of reminiscent of that Piazza home run in 99. Mets close it out win that game, win that series, and just being there, just the atmosphere. If you ever get to go to a Subway Series game, it's fun. It's like a playoff atmosphere. I know it's kind of lost its luster nowadays, but it's always been a fun series to go back and forth with Yankee fans. Other memories, seeing Dwight Gooden return, even though it was in a Yankee uniform, seeing him return and start, that was pretty cool. Uh, Robin Ventura, Running like Mike Piazza during the rain delay, that was a fun one. You always had the Piazza versus Clemens issue, and I always loved that Mike Piazza owned Roger Clemens at bat, and that's I'm pretty sure why Clemens decided to hit him and throw a bat at him. But if you can remember in 2002, you know, Sean Estes threw right behind Roger Clemens, and people got upset because he didn't hit him. Then he later on in the game, Sean Estes hits a home run, Piazza hits a home run, and that was it. You also have that Day Sung Koo big hit in 2005 off of Randy Johnson. Almost thought it was a home run, ends up getting a double, then ends up scoring on this weird play at the plate. Those are some fun memories of the Subway Series to me. And I don't mention the Subway World Series because the Mets lost and It was a tough series, tough to be around Yankee fans during that whole time, Uh, but it was a good series. It was close. Every game was close. Even though the Mets lost four games to one, every game was close. Every game was entertaining, and it was nice to see New York get that Subway Series for the first time in, was it over 40, 50 years since the Dodgers and the Yankees did it? So it was fun in that aspect. wasn't fun being a Mets fan because we lost. But, you know, you got to mention the Subway World Series as well. And before this train leaves the station, I'm going to give you my final thoughts. The Mets acquire left-handed pitcher Anthony Banda from the San Francisco Giants for Will Toffey. He will head to AAA Syracuse. He played his last four years in the majors with Arizona and San Francisco. In 18 games in which five he started, he's 4-3 with a 5.96 ERA. One save and 41 strikeouts. Well, Met fans, that's going to wrap it up for this show. I hope you enjoyed. 
I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. It's a holiday weekend, so enjoy July 4th. Happy July 4th. And um, do me a favor. Please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show. What you like. What you don't like. I want to know how to make this show better for each and every one of you Met fans out there. And if you give me five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, it can only help this show climb the rankings in baseball, sports, and Mets podcasts. So rate and review on Apple Podcasts and help this show grow. You can follow the show on Twitter at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. You can also find Subway to Shea on YouTube. This podcast is available on the HSP Network. Catch me alongside podcasts like The Bullpen with DA, Third Floor Lounge, which covers the NFL and NBA, Sus Talk, and their flagship show, The High Spot Podcast, which covers all things professional wrestling. Just search High Spot Podcast on YouTube or youtube.com slash highspotpodcast and make sure to subscribe today. Well, that will do it for this week's podcast. Always remember to listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Let's go Mets.